Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Is this the nightcap? Yo, this is Patrick. Nightcap. No, this is Patrick. Is this the nightcap? No, this is Patrick. Time now for the nightcap on WGR Sports Radio 550. It is the nightcap with Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. Are we going to spend an eighth show in a row on a Carson Wentz rumor? Probably not tonight. We could. We could. There's another one today. We have a, the first like specific reporting of what a trade package looks like. I think we could have guessed that it would look something like this, but Ron Jaworski had today that the Colts are offering two second-round picks and either a third or a fourth in the future. Now, the Colts don't have two second-round picks, so he must mean a second this year, a second next year, then a third or fourth in a future year. Doesn't that still seem like an overpayment to you? Oh, yeah. I think the Eagles... You know what? I don't want to actually call them crazy for not taking that. I think, in a way, they are, because that is far above what I think any team should be willing to pay for that quarterback, but... They, if they have reason to believe they can take that offer and then they could drive up the price with Chicago and maybe end up squeezing out a first-round pick out of this whole situation, then maybe they're not crazy for not pulling the trigger right now because they, they got time. They don't have a ton of time. You probably want to get that done by free agency, I think, if you're the Eagles. Don't give the Colts or the Bears any opportunity to go after somebody else. But they've got some time here. And I don't think they're nuts for not taking that. But if that if that's ends up being the best offer and then they don't take it, then I think they're crazy. Because, yeah, I think that's a lot. Like, I wouldn't give up. I wouldn't give up anything, actually, honestly. <laughs> like, I would, I would want something in return. I would obviously be not in that trade negotiation anymore. But if the Eagles called me with, hey, what will you give us for Carson Wentz? Uh... I'd, I'd be Wentz like, excuse me? Pick. Yeah, it's like, no, no, no. What are you giving me to take right. Carson Wentz? Is where I flip the conversation. Like a golf kind of deal. There are probably teams like that, right? There are teams that answered that way. There have to be. Don't you think? The Eagles are probably calling everybody right now. And I, I'm just judging that based on their media blitz in the last week and a half. That every day you're seeing Wentz in the news. Why? Because the Eagles want to remind everybody that this guy's getting traded and come get him. And to me, they would have called every team in the league that you know conceivably would have 
would be looking to upgrade a quarterback, and they would like want to see. Like, I do that in fantasy a lot. It's, okay, I decided who? A couple years ago in a dynasty league, I wanted to trade Derrick Henry. Looking back, probably not the greatest idea, but I, I did it. I decided I wanted to trade Derrick Henry. I texted every single person in my league separately saying, hey, what's your level of interest in Derrick Henry and would you do this? Maybe the real world doesn't work exactly like that, but I would have to imagine the Eagles called everybody except maybe like five teams, the teams in their division and the teams that have, you know, like they're not calling the Bills. Yeah. Right. The Bills are going to laugh at you, I think. Um, yes, I, th- I think so. Well, no, no, sorry, I didn't mean that. To, <laughs> I, I apologize. Let me just clarify. I didn't mean that to be, you know, a, a, a shot at Josh Allen. I meant that more of as like, you know, a cap dump situation. Uh, they wouldn't call the Bills because the Bills would be like, if you give us a first round pick, we could probably find a way to fit Carson Wentz under our cap at twenty million dollars. Is that a good deal, by the way? Twenty million dollars for is a first round it, pick. Is it the sixth um, pick in the draft this year? Yeah. Then yeah, like you, we would but, do that, wouldn't we? Eh, the Bills are more win now mode, you, so maybe not. Listen, you don't get to do anything in free agency. If you, right, if you that's did what a trade I'm saying. Like, like you wouldn't be able to do really anything at all. And but even you if this, you take on his contract, you're just getting rid of other players. Like I, I'd, but you'd get the sixth pick. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think I might have swayed you here because the sixth pick is valuable. That might be. I mean, we might I can't be, believe we're talking about we're, this. We're, Can we we're, change the subject before know, we spend five minutes talking about suddenly this? Suddenly I'm going to start bringing up Kyle Pitts, and then I think Kyle, oh, we're going to okay. go down change a Change the hole. subject right now. Um, <laughs> so, you know what? I did want to talk about like the quarterback situation in the league as a whole and in the conference as a whole because yesterday we spent almost the entire show on the division. But let's look at the conference and like what team – is going to be a a much bigger threat to the Bills than they would last year or has the potential to do so. And part of that can be a Wentz-driven conversation because Indianapolis is probably one of those teams. The first team that stands out in my mind would be the Chargers. The Chargers at 7-9 to nine last year, year two of Justin Herbert, and now their first year with, I don't even remember the name of their coach, um, first first year with their new head coach. Yeah, they, they would you, you wouldn't be stunned if they were a AFC contender next year. I wouldn't I, be. They I have would, a good roster. An AFC contender might be pushing it. What, what do you mean by AFC contender? I wouldn't be stunned if they were in the playoffs next like, year. That wouldn't stun me. But AFC contender to me true... is like divisional round of the playoffs. Like sure. They find their way there. They could do it. Me too. I think they could do that. Who couldn't do it? The Texans, I don't think, can do it. Denver. Denver even, though, because of the un... The thing about Denver is... I wouldn't rule them out because I want to see what they end up doing at quarterback. Like, maybe they take a big swing. That could be draft or free agency. But we have heard it's been radio silence in Denver. I mean, they have not necessarily committed to Drew Locke. But they haven't been attached to any of these rumors. Watson, Wentz. They Wilson, were, nobody. They were attached to Wentz, but it turned out to be like a fake rumor. At least Benjamin Albright knocked that down and was like, no, that's he, not true. He's maybe the reason I would think there is nothing going on because, because he hasn't had anything on them. Exactly. <laughs> and like, I, w- if he says something, I believe it. You know what I'm saying? Like, he is very plugged in to the league. And so if he is definitive one way or the other about something, then I am inclined to really put stock in in his opinion and what he says and you're right 
I haven't seen much in terms of Denver. And would you be surprised if they just decided to try another year with Locke? No, I wouldn't. And especially dumb, but. <laughs> the, the numbers tying him and Allen together for the first two years of their mm. careers are very similar. Now, I am not saying that Josh Allen's trajectory is something it's not to repeatable. be repeated yeah. or teams should not trick themselves into thinking that this is something that they should do and using Josh Allen yep. as the example of why they should take this path. It doesn't mean teams won't get tricked into it, though. Right. And could this be with Drew Locke? I don't know. Could I? Drew Locke, here's the thing about him, though. Like Allen, he shows flashes of brilliance. Or like Allen was when he was a rookie and in sure. his second year. He shows flashes of brilliance. There really isn't that. There are plays and there is arm strength there, but there's not the athleticism to me that makes him jump off the page. Like, he, he's not a freak athletic talent. He's he's good. He's got good arm, very good arm. He's mobile enough. And he's mobile enough. Like he's a, he's got solid skills, but he's as unpolished as Allen was coming in without the the natural gifts. Right. There's a reason Allen he does. was taken in the second round and Allen was taken exactly. 7th overall. Exactly. I have not seen enough from him where I would go forward with him. I hope they go forward with him. I hope I hope Denver tricks themselves into thinking, "Hey, this could be our Josh Allen." Because again, yeah. it is a it's an it's really an anomaly in league history. And thank goodness it happened here. But <laughs> yeah. and, and maybe good on the Bills too if it not only happened here, but if you're tricking other teams in your conference now to trying the same thing and it doesn't work, beautiful. I think the Chargers are the best team to bring up, and I'm glad you did because I wouldn't even thought of them. Because it, they're not one of these teams that's going to change their quarterback. But Herbert is just that good. And I think maybe even Cincinnati could get there at some point. I don't think it'll be this year because the roster is still pretty darn bad. The roster is bad, and I don't know what the timeline is for Burrow's right. injury. Like, will he be back on time to start the season? It, it didn't look promising. Yeah, it's not like like Prescott. You hear he's ahead of schedule, like no doubt. He'll like, he'll be ready by training camp, maybe. Mm. Burrow, it's he should be good by week one. And when you're saying should be good by week one in February, that could be worrisome. But anyways, I don't think Cincinnati is much on the radar for the Bills' perspective this year anyway. I think Pittsburgh has the potential to jump up. But if they're going to go forward with Roethlisberger, they become an afterthought to me. Right? Like, I, I would hope they go forward with Roethlisberger. A lot of these well, teams. Well, that's the plan, though. A lot of these teams, I would hope they keep going with the guys they have. I do think it is the plan in Pittsburgh. Although, you've had mo- almost every sign has pointed towards they're going to bring him back in that Roethlisberger has said he wants to be back and he doesn't care what he gets paid. The owner said they'd like to have Roethlisberger back, but they can't have him at the current salary. But again, Roethlisberger said, I don't care about the salary. But you have also had John Clayton and maybe one other, maybe it was Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, that were just pushing back a little bit on that. In that, don't just assume it's a foregone conclusion that Roethlisberger is back. He might be their fallback guy. And maybe that means they're shooting for the stars. That could mean Prescott, Watson, Wilson. Oh, and that, they get may, Watson. Maybe those would be the only guys they would move Roethlisberger for. But we don't know that. What if, what if they're in the Wentz conversation? What if they're calling about Derek Carr or Marcus Mariota? What if they want Winston? You know, like I, I guess there's a possibility that Roethlisberger doesn't end up back there. And. I would be much more afraid of Pittsburgh with a Jameis Winston under center than I would with Ben Roethlisberger. Yeah, because that roster is the best of any of these teams we've talked about yet. Oh, for sure. 
for sure. And you have a guy capable of throwing for 5,000 yards, and they'll actually push the ball downfield. They've got some weapons. Now, there has been interest from other teams already reported. I believe the Raiders and the Jets. In Juju? In Juju Smith-Schuster. I would let him walk anyway. I, I think he might be... V- I think he might be the most overrated receiver. Do you think in why football. do you why do you think that though? He is very one-dimensional in terms of underneath routes ran from the slot. His win rate, I was reading about him actually, it was a fantasy article from Fantasy Footballers earlier in the week. His win rate on the outside was in like the the 5th percentile really? for for wide receivers that qualified that had played enough snaps. But in the slot, his win rate was in, like, the 90th percentile. So he's a slot receiver is what you're saying. Yeah, and I think that that means his value will always be limited. You know, sure. like No, I, absolutely. I, I love a player like Cole Beasley, but I'm not, you know, I'm not paying Cole, the Cole Beasleys of the world. The Stefan Diggs money. Right. Or the, you know. So I think that might be telling about what he is. And it is alarm. it's pretty clear that that's what he became in Pittsburgh. Because once they got Deontay Johnson right. and Chase Claypool, like last year, Juju played primarily in the slot. I think the Steelers understood that the only way he was going to be effective, and part of this also is that Roethlisberger could really only throw underneath by the end of the season, um, was that that was the combo that was going to work. Juju running underneath routes from the slot, Roethlisberger throwing it over the middle. So he, he doesn't he doesn't excite me all that much. He's a good player. I don't want to disparage him too much. I think he's a good player. But I think he's going to be overpaid. And the... I don't know if it matters for Pittsburgh, though, because it sounds like Pittsburgh's not going to re-sign him. The owner was talking like this before last season, that he had to show out. And I think with Claypool emerging as a second-round pick, having one of the better rookie seasons for a second-round rookie that we've seen in recent history, that with James Washington even, he's a fine number 3 wide receiver in the NFL. I don't think they're going to feel the need to go overpay for Smith-Schuster when a team like the Raiders or the Jets... Those teams might be ready to pay him. What what cap number am I thinking? So Spotrac had him at like eighteen million projected per year. They had Will Fuller and uh, at like sixteen point seven, and I think they had Juju around like eighteen. That's I, I'm not way sure it's too crazy. much money. I know, but I think someone probably gives it to him just on the sheer production. Don't you think? The Does Jets it? always do stuff like that. Plus, he's only twenty five. <laughs> the Jets and the Raiders always do stuff like that. Yeah. Um, let me make sure I have that number right. Sixteen point one million. It wasn't. That still sounds like a lot. Like I would have paid him for closer to ten. That like if you had yeah. said, "What do you think, ten or sixteen? And it's one or the other. I would have said ten. Yeah, me too. But that's what like I would be feel comfortable paying him. Right. But five years, eighty point seven million is their projection. So all that to be said, one, I don't really think he matters to whether the Steelers are a contender or not against the Bills. And two, I don't think they're going to end up with him. I think he's going to be a Raider or a Jet. Interesting. The way it's trending. I, I, the s- they're still the weapons are still great though, right? I'm just not. The, the Steelers did so little last year to show me that they should be taken seriously this year. There was just they won 11 games right off the bat with an easy schedule and a lot of close calls, games that probably should have went the other way. I'm thinking Baltimore. Turned the ball over twice in the red zone and only lost by like four points to them. Mm-hmm. Tennessee, something similar happened where they let Tennessee right back in the game. They were driving yeah. down. Um, I'm just thinking like this team was not very good against a good schedule. And when their schedule finally got more difficult at the end of the year, it's not even like they were 
in the same ballpark as these teams. Like, how could you look at the St- the Steelers played the Bills? The Bills really blew them out. You know, the the Steelers' defense had their number early on, but from once Taron Johnson got that pick six, it was over. It was yep. over. The you know that you cannot look at me and say that that team was as good as any of the AFC teams that were in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Like they were the weak link. The Browns played much better than the Steelers down the stretch. Like I'm more worried about the Browns next year than the Steelers. Okay. The oh. Ravens, the Browns. I'm not saying that. I don't know uh, if I see a scenario where the Browns leapfrog the Bills, though. You know what I mean? So, so is that your question? Is just leapfrogging kinda, the Bills? Kind. That's the way. Because I think the Bills, it's football. You could lose to anybody at any given point. The Bills could play the Browns at home in a wild card game next year, and they could lose, and I wouldn't sure. be stunned. Sure. You know? The Titans, same thing. But I think the most likely outcome is that the Bills will be the second best team in the AFC. But I think where I want to get to in this conversation is maybe taking it in a little bit of a different direction than where we were just going, in that, like, who's the most likely to leapfrog the Bills as the second best team in the conference? And I think. You either need, for that to really happen, you might either need Deshaun Watson to get traded to... Yeah, to like a Miami. A Miami, or even, I guess, a Pittsburgh. But again, they haven't been mentioned much in that conversation. The Raiders, even. Like, if Watson went to the Raiders, I would take them as a real threat. Miami's probably the best answer, though, for this. And then... How about Baltimore? The Chargers... They get a receiver. Yeah, that's interesting. They They would need... That that would need to come though with a philosophical change sure. on offense. But yes, that they could do it too. Would if it they signed Allen Robinson right. or Teddy started, Galladay, yeah, yeah, and they increased the amount of uh, their pass attempts by even like ten to fifteen percent, then I think Baltimore would have it in them too. Do you think that's going to happen there though? Even if they sign a receiver, I feel like they might sign a receiver and still run it as much as they normally do. I don't. They're a really good organization. They have been for two decades. I don't think they they're have. shelling out big time money for a receiver if they don't intend to throw the ball more. Right. That just that just does not seem like a Baltimore Ravens yep. franchise move to make. So, and I really wouldn't be surprised if they go after Allen Robinson or Kenny Galladay. If they don't. Yeah. I think that signals that they want to continue running the ball. You're right, though. Like they, they'll use their guys. Like even Marquise Brown, they invested a first round pick in. Mm-hmm. He hasn't been great, but on a team that runs as much as they do, to have 171 targets through two years, like that is at least 100 targets last year is a commitment. Sure. That like we know we run it a lot, but we spent a first round pick on you, and we're going to use it. So maybe that's a good point that they would do it um, if they sign one of these guys again. That's an if they use Andrews. I like your Chargers pick here still. Yeah. I What are they? Are they really a team that could take like a 12 and 4 jump next year? I feel like yes. they might have that jump yes. in them. Be- and especially yeah. look at the number of close games that they lost. Hold on, let me bring up their schedule real quick. But they were w- along with in the Falcons. There you go. The notorious for losing extremely close games. So, I'm looking at just Justin Herbert's starts. He lost his first four starts. To Kansas City by three, Carolina by five, Tampa Bay by seven, and New Orleans by three. Those are three of the elite teams in the league that he lost by one score to, and then a decent Carolina team by five. And then they lost by one to the Broncos, yep. five to the Raiders. You know, they lost to the Bills. The Bills were there was that. There was, <laughs> then there's then that they, New England game. <laughs> I don't know what happened with New England. He just fell but then they won their last four games of the season. 
Inc- albeit to a Chiefs team that, that didn't start Patrick Mahomes. But the, the point remains, they they really got it together at the end of the year, and they lost so many of those games by one score. I could absolutely, absolutely see the script flip for them. And they got rid of Anthony Lynn, who had a rough rough year in game management i would have more respect for them as like oh yeah they're certainly going to be like near the bills level next year had they hired brian dable again i don't even remember the name of the chargers head coach at this point so i almost feel bad like not not meant brandon staley defensive coordinator from the rams fine you know what like i was against the bills hiring a defensive-minded head coach and they still turned into one of the pinnacle offenses in the league right so it doesn't have to go that direction but man you could have had if you just were two weeks if you were a little more patient you could have had brian dable coaching justin herbert and at the same time weakened the bills by taking away the the mastermind of the bills offense yeah, so. I, I like the Chargers for that, and especially with how well Herbert played last year. I mean, he was just – it's almost – he played so well, I wouldn't have been surprised if they had made the playoffs last year. Yeah. Good news for the Bills is that – well, is this good news? Yeah, it's good news that they are in the Chiefs division. So those two will be going at it for both of those quarterbacks' entire careers. Um I said I probably want to say that because I also don't want the Bills to get matched up with the Chargers like at home if they become an elite-level football team. So, anyways, we're just kind of running through the AFC right now, looking at who could take a big step up kind of on the Bills' level. The, the jump the Bills took last year, who could be that same team that does something similar and then would be threatening the Bills? I think we both like the Chargers for this. We've mentioned Baltimore, uh, even Pittsburgh, if there's a change at quarterback from Ben Roethlisberger, which we shouldn't rule out. The Texans, I would hope they hang on to Deshaun Watson so that they basically get relegated to what they were last year and then they don't let Watson go to Miami and become a huge threat to the Bills. But anyways, this conference, there's a lot that can change. There, Half the conference, you could have different quarterbacks. Did you see the Bills' odds to win the Heat? No, I did AFC not. AFC East? 4-7. to seven. And then Miami would be second. Yeah, and they were three to one. Three to one. Mm, I, you know what? I I don't know. I don't know if I hate it. I feel like the Bills should get more respect than that. But I also feel like the wouldn't they're, the get, odds they're getting a lot of respect at four to seven. At four to seven, okay. That's, I almost that's felt a like lot they should of respect. Get more than that, but maybe not. Okay. If Watson got traded to Miami, it would get that would change in a hurry, I think. Oh yeah, like co-favorites maybe. Even. Yeah. Um, okay though, four to seven in the Miami, three to one. No, you're right, you're right. Three to one, especially for Miami being the second team. That's that's a big gap. But that's where I'm at. I think if this division goes the way it's trending, the Jets will have a rookie, and you'll have to watch out for them in the future. But there's nobody that scares me unless Miami's getting to Sean Watson, and at this point that doesn't appear to be happening because Texans aren't taking calls. So. I think it's shaping up nice for the Bills in the division. Maybe I'm a little more skeptical about conference-wide, as we just went through in the last 25 minutes, the Chargers and all these other teams that could change at quarterback. Um, but division at least, I think we, we both agree, we like we like what 2021 could look like uh, for them. 803-0550 is the phone number. Is there one team that worries you in the conference that could take a Bills-like jump? in 2021? Let us know what you think. Uh, and I want to get to another Bills free agent conversation but 
It's a different position than we have yet talked about. So we'll do that when we come back with the, on the Nightcap with Jody Biasi and Brendan Keeney here on WGR. I don't want to take away from Tua too much right now because he did come off that injury. He didn't really show anything. I'm telling you, he didn't show anything that says he's going to be a franchise quarterback. But I don't want to write off. I don't want to write him off just because he is coming off that injury. We like to give guys at least that first year coming back. But I didn't see the arm strength. I didn't see special athleticism. I didn't see playmaking ability. He was very unimpressive. Strong words from former Bills director of player personnel Jim Manos who was on with Howard and Jeremy yesterday. I think the Dolphins could also be thinking that same thing, and we just don't know it yet. Hope that they don't. I've been going around the AFC and the division yesterday um, with the changes that could come at quarterback, teams that could take a big step forward. Talking about the Chargers a little bit in that first segment. I do have a position, though, that we have not really talked about yet free agency-wise that I'm interested in your take on because I'm, I'm – I'm starting to become very against a certain idea. And this came up on the afternoon show today when Mike asked Bulldog about Corey Davis as an idea. We haven't really touched yet on the idea of the Bills cutting John Brown, maybe not not paying Matt Milano, and then going out in the free agent market and trying to grab one of those top guys because there are a lot of them. And we talked about Juju Smith-Schuster in the first segment. I think if you heard me on that, not an idea I would want the Bills to go for at all. Cole, they already have Cole Beasley, and I don't want to see Smith-Schuster playing on the outside here. But what do you make of that as an idea? Because there are guys. like There are some studs. Chris Godwin, Allen Robinson. Um, you got the veterans like T.Y. Hilton. But Will Fuller is another one. Uh, Curtis Samuel. Marvin Jones had a thousand yards and nine touchdowns last year. Corey Davis, as I just mentioned, like there are so many guys, but I've become since the, the idea was brought up earlier in the day. Like I'm, I'm think I'm pretty staunchly against this idea be, because I want to see them draft one. And I, I guess it also depends what you think of Corey da- or of uh, Gabriel Davis, because I think if they were to cut John Brown tomorrow. I like Gabriel Davis as one of their top three wide receivers if a rookie you draft isn't ready to you know, be a starter right away. So I don't think I need to go spend $10 million on one of these receivers because I don't know how much of an upgrade some of them would be huge upgrades. Right. I don't know how much of an upgrade those lower-end names like Marvin Jones, Corey Davis, even are over Gabriel Davis. Right, and that's kind of where I arrive to as well. I think Gabriel Davis showed me enough last season that if – the Bills part ways with John Brown, I wouldn't be uncomfortable with Gabriel Davis slotting in as your day one number two receiver. Is it ideal? I don't think I'm there yet. But I wouldn't be uncomfortable. I'm still somewhere in between. And if you're going to cut John Brown just to get someone who's going to cost you more anyway, because that's just the way the market works, mm-hmm. maybe not. maybe not this year though. So that's an interesting thing to keep in mind. Maybe contracts will be down this year. Yeah. Um, but assuming that you, if you cut John Brown and just pick up a receiver for about the same price or a little bit more, I don't really see the point. I'd much rather that money be spent elsewhere. 
Well, how much more do we even want out of Gabriel Davis? Like, last year he starts 11 games, and he ends up with 62 targets. Like, how much higher do you want to go than 62 targets for Gabriel Davis? Well, I don't, I don't well, give him give him half of Brown's targets. Yeah, I don't so think I want him being 100. Well, do you think you want him being a 100-target wide receiver? Why like, not? I think he could do that. Allen um, throws enough where is 100 targets per wide receiver even that much with the the amount that the Bills throw? Like, we might have to start well, rethinking our standards yeah. for what a large target share is. You're right. Allen had 572 targets right. or pass attempts last year. Which means so if Davis gets you one out of every five three. of those, that is that's a fine workload as yeah. far as I'm concerned. I my perfect number for him, my perfect like target share for the Bills wide receivers in 2021 with a John Brown release would be Davis seeing an uptick, but maybe not a crazy one, maybe something around like 80 targets, and you draft a guy in the first round that. Sees fifty to fifty to seventy, maybe something around the same. Davis had this last year, sixty-two. You know, and if that guy shows out and is just like Justin Jefferson out of the gates, then then you revisit it and you start throwing to him as much as you throw to Diggs. But I think if you bring in a free agent guy, the other that's the other thing about that idea versus a rookie. I suddenly feel obligated to throw them the ball. And if it's the second tier of wide receivers, I'm not really even talking about Godwin or Allen Robinson because I don't think the Bills can afford those guys. No. These other guys, like I don't know if I want to give Corey Davis 110 targets and keep Gabriel Davis it doesn't, where he it is. It doesn't seem like a wise use of resources when you already know you're going to be in a pretty major crap crunch. I would much rather see that money invested on the line. Yeah. Uh, you know what? And I'm starting to get 50-50. I was 100% with you mm-hmm. last week about a guy like Rondell Moore. And I, I still am. If the Bills were to draft him, I'd be stoked because I'd, I'd be really excited to see what he could do in this offense. But there are a lot of edge rushers available. Yeah. And I am starting to get to that point where I'd be okay with uh, an edge rusher at 30 for the Bills. The other thing about these free agent wide receivers, I was looking earlier for an Alshon Jeffrey type because the Bills have become this team where if you're a wide receiver, and this this could happen with any of these guys, I just maybe haven't foreseen it yet with them, any of these guys that doesn't feel they're getting the proper market value for their services and they start looking for a team like, all right, can I take a one-year deal somewhere Mm. to go – catch a thousand yards and eight touchdowns and then next year I'm get hitting it big in the market. The Bills are suddenly that team where you do that. But I don't know if I see one of these receivers that fits that's coming off like a down season where they might think they need to rebuild their value. I think TY Hilton fits some of that, but him being thirty two years old, I don't think he wants to waste any year. You know, he might only have a few left. He's gonna waste one not waste. That's a bad way of putting it. But he's gonna He's going to take less for a bigger for, deal coming after because no one's ever giving 33-year-old T.Y. Hilton a giant contract even after a good year in Buffalo, you know? So, like, Fuller, maybe Fuller could be that guy. Maybe Will Fuller goes out into the market. What's his spot track, though, projected? I bet you if Juju Smith-Schuster is projected to make 16, I have to imagine S- Fuller's there or higher. 16.9. So 17. So you would need him to... I just, I just can't get myself to that point. 
I cannot Me get neither. myself to that point. What What about if it's like, what if he's that guy, though, where he thinks he's going to get 16.9, he goes out there and he can't find more than 12? He has a Jadavion Clowney kind of offseason? Yes. Um, Am I okay giving that guy 11-12? What, what 11, 12? Yeah, yes, yes. That's different, though. That's... That's a big that's disparity. Your big, but that is your big free agent move then. That it's is your it's big still free enough money move. where you're cutting Brown, you're not going to be able to afford one of these top pass rushers, and you won't be able to keep Matt Milano. If that's your move and you take Fuller, then you have to address the trenches with the 30th pick in the draft. That's kind of what mm. it says to me. So if you are one of these people who want a playmaking, outside threat, crazy ball skills, you know, ball in his hand can can take it to the house, Rondell Moore type. Yep. You're not doing that and getting Will Fuller because both lines need to be addressed. Oh, you know what? I know who this player is. The Are I, you talking about the one-year, just one need year... to boost up the value kind of player? Yeah. Who? Kenny Galladay? No. You don't think he'll need... Kenny Galladay does not need... I, a one-year prove-it deal. No injury, way. Injury prone, injury, not injury prone, injury plagued season last year. That's what happened to Jeffrey when he came out of Chicago. He had been injured the year before, and he didn't. He was looking for like eighteen million. He couldn't find it, and he went to the Eagles on a one-year deal. What if Galladay's looking for crazy money like that? I think you will find a team ready to do that. Kenny okay. Galladay has been a star when he's been in the lineup. Yes. He also not, doesn't necessarily fit stylistically for what I would want for the Bills. He's very much a point, uh, you know, yeah. a high point catcher. It's almost what the Bills have, tr- you know, Based steered out. away from. Yes. And that doesn't mean they can't have a guy like that that would be that good. But, right, I wouldn't want to give a guy like that a monster contract. That's, that's I one also, of those one-year ideas. I also don't want to compare, like, Andre Holmes and Kelvin Benjamin to Kenny <laughs> Galladay, you know? No, right, me either. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, but, yeah, not an idea I like, though. Just overall, free agency, wide receivers. Like, if there's a veteran guy that maybe wants to sign up to play for the Bills to take one last go at a ring, maybe if A.J. Green wanted to come here for, like, a million bucks, you know, then I'm not going to say no to any free agent wide receiver. If T.Y. Hilton wanted to come here for $5 million, something cheap, you know, maybe that's not out of the question. But for the most part, it's a great class, and it's going to be too expensive for my taste. And that, by the way, is another that. Fact, should factor in something that I have not heard anybody talk about yet with the Bills at wide receiver that I thought of earlier today. The idea that Stephon Diggs is not going to want a pay raise going into this next season. Like, isn't that on the way? And no one's talking about it. And he's completely within the right to do that. That is what star receivers in the NFL do. They have seasons like Diggs just had. Even less so than Diggs just had. Diggs was just the best receiver in football for a year. Guys do much less and come into the next year asking to be paid like one of the top wide receivers. And guess what? Stephon Diggs right now is not paid like an elite wide receiver. It's amazing. $12 million is his cap hit next year, and that's his yearly cash as well. So it matches how much he'll get to the cap hit. Imagine that a world is where, way underpaid. Yeah, imagine a world where Juju Smith-Schuster is making $4 million more per year than Stephon Diggs. Yeah, that's insane. No, you're right, though. Like, I can't believe you're right. You're absolutely right. I haven't seen it that much. I've just in kind of like casual Twitter feeds. Oh, maybe they'll have to give Stefan Diggs a raise. Who knows? But I haven't seen like any serious discussion about it. 
you know, hopefully he he doesn't care. <laughs> hopefully he's cool play, pay, uh, playing for $12 million a year and cross that bridge when we get to it. But I, I, it, as you mentioned, it would be well within his right, and I wouldn't be at all upset if he wanted a pay raise because he was the best receiver in football last year. 16th is where he ranked last year. Um among, in terms of salary, in terms of salary for wide receivers, and that number comes down by two million, this and it will year. go down even more, right? Because the free agent class hasn't. Signed. I would be darn. I would be downright stunned if he didn't. That's kind of where I'm with at a higher too. contract. Yeah. So that needs to be accounted for here as well. So maybe I shouldn't even be talking about these one-year prove-it-year guys. Maybe they can't even afford that. If it even ends up happening, you might not get anyone like that. You could do something, and you know how you know general managers in the NFL are creative. Maybe you can restructure it so that the cap hits actually less this year, but mm-hmm. he's owed more in the future. Yeah, that you, could be something too. So, like, I'm not. That's why I don't get too caught up in the cap room discussion because every single year there's always teams that in, in all sports really. In all sports, every single mm-hmm. year there's teams that seem to be right against the, the cap uh, ceiling, and they just wiggle themselves out of it doing this, that, or the other thing. This year I'm really interested to see what New Orleans does. How the heck are they going to navigate that? Um, something just came across, by the way, real quick. You know who doesn't cost you anything? Rondell Moore. Just going to throw that <laughs> out there. Uh, something just got tweeted by Ryan uh, Rashog from TSN. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. He just tweeted, sounds like the Oilers need to sit Miko Koskinen tonight as a precaution. Hence, Wells, I don't know who that is, emergency recalled and will back up. Now, that game, the Oilers and, forgive me, I forget who they're playing tonight, but the Edmonton game tonight was delayed an hour because they didn't have the Oilers' COVID results yet. That game is scheduled now to begin in 15 minutes. And the goalie is being rested as a or is being sat as a precaution. They're playing the Canadians tonight. Are they about to play a game where the goalie just tested positive for COVID nineteen? Doesn't that isn't that what that just that sounds like? They're waiting. They were waiting I, on test results. So I don't I, even want to speculate because the NH. I'm just so confused by the NHL and what they're doing, what their process is, why some teams play no and other teams don't. I just I don't get it. So I don't even want to speculate. Like, what does it mean that he's going through protocol? I, there's there's no consistency. I would have to imagine that it means he tested positive because the whole reason the game was delayed was for testing results. So I don't think you would be finding out about close contacts right now, but I guess I could be wrong on that. They had Jesse Puyarvi earlier in the day go on the COVID protocols list. We saw Washington Philadelphia two nights ago get postponed because of two positive or because of two players on the list. And now here's one player on the list and another one that is just mysteriously being sat and that game is going ahead. Man, the NHL, it's just you can't keep track. There's no way of knowing what they're going to do, situation to situation. There's been no consistency so far. And to me, this just reads like another example of that. I just kind of throw my hands up in the air at this point because I just don't know. I just don't even want to speculate on what's going on. It's The whole Devil-Sabres situation was completely bizarre to me. And the fact that it turned out to be a big deal when it really wasn't a big deal 
the weekend that uh, the, the games happened. Yep. Like the whole situation is really bizarre. The whole season has been, I don't want to say a disaster because they are getting games in, but it is not going nearly as smooth as what the <laughs> NFL was able to accomplish and what the NBA is doing right now. Right, exactly. All right, um, so we'll keep an eye on that, see if anything becomes of the Canadians Oilers uh, game tonight. And then uh, when we come back, last call in the nightcap. Last call in the nightcap. I've got a fantasy question that I got to run by you. I know it's it's February, but I have a fantasy question. We'll do that when we come back here on the nightcap on WGR. Last call on the nightcap. Joe DiBiase and Brendan Keeney. I got a fantasy question. We'll get to it in a second, but. The NHL has just announced enhanced COVID protocols. And as Dave Pagnota from the fourth period points out, now they will have rapid testing for all U.S. clubs on game days for players, club staff, and officials. Which begs the question, how was that not in place (laughs) a month ago when they started the season? I I mean, holy cow, it's a billion billion of dollars that they have at hand. Not liquid, but they have their billion dollar industry. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they couldn't get rapid testing. Then he goes on to say, additionally, effective immediately, all players, coaches, staff must stay home from now on unless for outdoor exercise, perform essential activities, attend practices and games, or family emergencies. So they're on lockdown. That'll be easy to enforce. Yep. Um, If teams want fans behind benches or penalty boxes, they must have at least 25 feet back as there is no plexiglass behind either anymore so florida panthers get ready to move your private seats back which is always weird that they're right behind the bench anyway um so that just happened in the nhl it's just a tire fire so far uh and i'm sure it'll go well going forward anyways (laughs) i've got a fantasy question because i am in a couple of different dynasty leagues i am in one right now that is a super flex league so you ideally you always want to be starting two quarterbacks which means in a 12-team league, you probably want to own three starters. And right now, if anyone's in a league like that, more than half the teams in your league are probably in flux for that. That rule of three. Like, you want three. Because how many guaranteed starters are in are entrenched in their spot right now? You know, like, I did a, I did a draft, a best ball draft, this past Saturday. And that was super flex as well. And everyone... Because it happens in February and there's all this uncertainty, everyone is just chasing quarterbacks early on. I ended up with Tannehill and Kirk Cousins. Not even because I like them in fantasy at all, but I, they were like the only two guys at the time where I'm like, okay, I feel secure that they are starters. You know? So, I've got this one league where I'm in big trouble. Because my team is loaded. Like, I've got McCaffrey at running back, my Tyree Kill, Mike Evans... Galladay, Cortland Sutton, uh, George Kittle. Like this, this team is just—it's magnificent. But it's super flex, and my quarterbacks right now are Cam Newton, Philip Rivers, and Drew Brees. <laughs> so two I'm, guys are retiring, and Cam Newton and can't believe he's going to get a starting job. So, like, I'm going through it with with like Bruce Nolan right now um, from the uh, from Buffalo Rumblings. He he's got like six quarterbacks. And I'm trying to figure out, like, all right, like, do I want to chase, like, the Marcus Mariotas and the James Winstons of the world right now? I guess this really depends on what kind of person you are. If you're a risk taker or you you play things like that more conservative. Like, 
I'm trying to figure out like when, what, what time am I supposed to go after this guy? Because if I trade for a Winston Mariota type right now, that it's going to be cheaper because there is a chance they don't end up in starting jobs. That could happen. Winston, maybe even there's a greater chance of that than Mariota because the Raiders at least just re-signed Peterman and there's all these Mariota rumors. So there's that. But if you trade for him now at the same time, you're risking, okay, I spent the assets I needed to spend to get the quarterback, but now I'm still going to have a starter. It's like, where would you be on that? Would you be in wait-and-see mode and then accept paying more should they get starting jobs, or you would you take a risk right now and go after those guys? I'd wait. I'm not ready, because here's my thing. Like, I am not convinced Mariota's going to be a starter. Not convinced those kinds of guys are are going to be starters. Like, you're just going to be wasting capital if it turns out they're not starters. Like, if Mariota's not moved and Carr's not moved, then what do you do? Then you're stuck. <laughs> you wait. I'm stuck. <laughs> you have a loaded enough team where you can lose a couple of trades to get what you need and still be okay. I think so. You don't want to have to trade one of those star players, especially since you might have to walk away from one of them right now anyway. I think Mariota would be the guy, though, I would chase there. I think he's going to be a starter. I think someone trades for him and starts him. Like, he looked good enough in that limited action, and the contract is really nice. Man, how smart were the Raiders to get him on a two-year deal instead of one? Because the money wasn't going to be all that different. And the difference now is, like, New Orleans is probably wishing they did that because there would be teams knocking on the door wanting to trade a third-round pick or second-round pick for Jameis Winston, probably. I don't know if that's the price in Mariota. But someone's going to pay a pick, I think, for him. He's. It's not going to be a high pick, though. No, but like it's a second or third, you think? No way. You don't even think that much? I think I they could. I would be very shocked if a team gave up a second or a third. What would be the point? Just They just think they're going to start him. But just draft a quarterback with a second round pick. But these teams, it depends. If you're trying to win right now, now I think you might be. If you, you're trying you, to you win. You could convince yourself Mariota could, get, be, could make you a playoff team. On a very few handful of teams. A very few. We're talking what would the you Colts, do if, the Niners, and like Washington. But wouldn't those be the teams? Washington's good for Mariota. Wouldn't those be the teams calling for him right now? I don't. Someone's calling. Yeah, I guess. New England? I think those teams make sense because I would rather have Mariota than Carson Wentz if I'm those teams. But like I, this is one of those things where they th- probably think they could do better than Mariota. So if you're going to give – I don't – I have a hard time believing that's Mariota's market right now. As we get closer to the draft and as we okay. get further into summer, maybe the market on him starts changing. But to me, it would seem desperate to give up a second-round pick for Mariota today. Okay. Do you think he starts, though, next year? If you're giving up a second for him, then yeah. But like, regardless of price. like If I had to bet. Say it's for a fourth or a fifth, whatever it's for. Do you like Right now, would you bet Marcus Mariota's starting week one in the NFL season? I would not bet that. Okay. I would. I wouldn't I, be stunned, but I wouldn't bet it. I think the winds are blowing that way, so I would. That, like, I think if if they weren't intent on trading him, they would not have re-signed Nathan Peterman. I think they've been grooming Peterman to be a backup quarterback, and them re-signing them makes me think they don't feel the need for both Derek Carr and Marcus Mariota. That they will trade one of them. I and at don't the moment, think no Peterman one is... is anyone's second string quarterback. I think he's their oh. third string practice guy. Well, he can't be on the practice squad anymore. I don't think. So, 
I don't know. I think Gruden loves Peterman, man. I threw the man in there on purpose. <laughs> um, all right, maybe we'll bet on this. Maybe I'll think of whip something up. All right. Mariota being a starter in week one next year. Week one. That bet board is It empty. can't be anything stupid like Matt Castle starting technically no, over right, Tyrod yes. Taylor. Yes. No. All right. No technicalities. No There's technicalities. room on that bet board over there. Lee Smith might retire, so that's not going to be up there. Um, Tannehill. That Super Bowl bet. I got to get that. He needs to retire Which side already. of that are you on? I am on he never wins a Super Bowl. <laughs> I think you're okay. But the odds, 20 to 1. <laughs> I bet it when he was a backup. How much money was the original bet? It's just 10 bucks. So tw- 20 to 1. I get $10 when Tannehill retires. And if he ever wins a Super Bowl, I have to pay 200. 200 It's a terrible bet. He was the Titans' backup at the time. I thought his career was over. Nope. That, has, that could not have gone worse. When did you make that bet? Like the day after he got traded. Oh, to really? To Tennessee. So yeah. then he went to the AFC Championship game last that year. That <laughs> year. Oh, man. I was sweating. Couldn't have gone worse last year. <laughs> All right, well, maybe we have a bet for next season. A lot of quarterback stuff, of course, coming uh, in the next few weeks. The Eagles will probably be making news first with all this Carson Wentz stuff. There was a report today from Ron Jaworski. Two second-round picks is what the Colts are offering. So we'll see if that becomes anything. We'll continue to talk Bills off season and maybe some Sabres, assuming they get back in action sometime soon. Me and Brendan will be back tomorrow at 7. Thanks, for everybody, for listening. This has been the Nightcap on WGR. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.